A young man, 27 years old, named Justin John Bowden. A young man from Minnesota <clears throat> went to a bus stop one day, and there he got into an argument with a 59-year-old woman. The woman, during the argument, took out her cell phone and began to call the police. At that point, Bowden stood up and slapped her and knocked her back. A 63-year-old man was also at the bus stop, and he went over to try to separate them to stop the uh, attack from going on. And Bowden then hit him with a blue notebook he was carrying, and then he ran off. But when he hit the man with the notebook, all of his papers fell out on the ground. And so when the police got there, they looked through the papers, and they found out three things about uh, Mr. Bowden, who was um, uh, later convicted. They found out his name, his address, and the fact that he was on his way to a court-appointed uh, anger seminar. All of us, all of us, to some degree, have to deal with this issue of anger. Now, the problem with that <clears throat> is, of course, that 1 Corinthians 13, 5, where we have been identifying what agape love is, the Scripture tells us that love is not provoked. Another translation, love is not irritable, or love is not touchy. However, in our terms, what we say is, love doesn't lose its temper. Now, there are a couple of things uh, biblically relevant about this issue of anger. First of all, the reason for anger. Critically important, the reason for anger. Now, the Bible does not say, don't get angry. We know that. But the qualifier about anger, biblically, is found in Ephesians 4.26 when we're told that in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the passion of anger drive you into sin. So anger can either be productive or unproductive. It can be helpful or unhelpful, appropriate or inappropriate. It can be holy or it can be sinful. Now, this dichotomy of the possibility of anger being positive or anger being negative, of anger being holy or unholy, is found is presented in two different Greek terms. One term from the Greek is defined as passionate energy. The, the other is 
defined as agitated or boiling over. Now, the term translated passionate energy can be illustrated by Jesus in the temple. We all uh, know that story of when Jesus went into the temple, made a, a whip out of cords, and he drove the money changers out of the temple, turning over their tables. Some people call it Jesus' temple tantrum. I thought that was funnier than y'all did. <laughs> but that is a demonstration of anger that is holy, righteous, productive, and right. The second type of anger, defined as agitated or boiling over, this negative or sinful anger, can be illustrated by the Old Testament story of Moses and the rock. You remember that story? Israel was in the wilderness. And Moses was leading them out of Egypt into the promised land of Israel. Well, I mean, you've got uh, three million plus people out walking in a desert without food or water. And, by the way, they spent 40 years there. God provided them the needs that they had, but at one point, they were camped out at this town called Kadesh. And the people were thirsty. And they were griping at Moses and telling Moses, you should have left us in Egypt. You should have left us in slaves. We at least had food and water there. And now we're walking through this wilderness and Moses apparently had had enough. God told Moses to speak to the rock and the water would come. But Moses, frustrated and angry at this attack from the people, struck the rock twice and then water did come out. But Moses greatly paid for that response of anger and that God refused to allow him into the uh, promised land of Israel. But it's important that we realize that <clears throat> we are not told in the Scripture not to get angry. You see, ang anger is simply... An emotion. Uh, we're told that there are uh, that anger is defined as a human emotion that naturally occurs when there is a perceived threat. So any time we, as human beings, are in the midst of great stress or perceived threat, anger is the emotion that comes. We, we, didn't, we can't stop that. That is, that is God-placed. In fact, we're told uh, that most people believe that there are uh, six different emotions. There's love, joy, fear, sadness, surprise, and anger. And that, you know, there are branches off of each of these, but these are the six basic emotions that God has placed in our lives. 
And so it's not an issue of will I get angry? It's an issue of why am I angry? And number two, how am I going to respond to this emotion of anger? Because both angers feel the same. I mean, we can't instantly determine in this passion of anger if it's holy or not. So we have to be honest with ourselves and be open with God to determine the reason for this anger. We can look at it this way. Holy anger is God-centered. Sinful anger is self-centered. Holy anger is this passionate energy felt when someone slurs, insults, or in some other way attacks the God I serve. When someone mocks, ridicules, or otherwise scorns the faith I embrace, it's when God's reputation is online. Holy anger. Sinful anger... In contrast, the agitated, boiling over feeling is when someone insults me. When I am the one being mocked or ridiculed. When it's my reputation on the line. So we have to be very careful. And this is a process that God will use to help renew our minds. When what is holy and sinful, what is Right, what is wrong, what is appropriate and inappropriate. But I want to add one more thought. Not just the reason for anger, but the root of anger. And I think the root of anger is actually found in the very next description of love. Now hang with me. I think this is extremely important. Again, in 1 Corinthians 13.5, as Paul is defining, describing agape love to us, he enters the term, or the phrase, thinks no evil. A better understanding of the phrase comes from the Amplified Bible, when it says, love takes no account of the evil done to it, Love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. The New Living Translation, I think, has the smoothest. It says, love keeps no record of being wronged. The Greek term that these uh, Bible translators are struggling with struggling to define, struggling to identify, to contextualize, is a Greek word, logizomai. It's an accounting term. It's a term that comes from the accounting world, and it means to mark something down so that you never forget it. Today, somebody says something to us, and we don't want to forget it, we're going to write it down in our phones. 
or more often we're going to take a picture or a video of it so we don't have it don't forget it and we have it always so this term <clears throat> means that there is something that has happened in my life and brother you better believe I ain't going to forget it to record a wrong done to you. <clears throat> In simplest terms, it is unforgiveness. The love of God does not keep record of a wrong done to it. The love of God does not keep grudges. The love of God does not keep score. This is the uh, phrase that gave us the uh, joke of one man telling his wife, you know, my wife and I had a fight this morning, and I'm really tired of it. Because every time we have a fight, she gets historical. And his friend said, you mean hysterical? And he said, no. I mean historical, because every time we fight, she brings up everything I've ever done to her and everything that's ever made her mad. That's keeping account of wrongs suffered. You remember when Jesus and, <clears throat> and Peter uh, were together, and, and Peter said, Lord, how many times should I forgive someone? Up to... Uh, seven times seven, and Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. So the person who keeps account of wrongs done to them, who wants to be spiritual, will say, okay, that's 486, that's 487, that's 488, and when we get to 490, you're done. That's not the idea. Clara Barton, who was the <clears throat> founder of the American Red Cross, was walking with a friend of hers, and the friend asked her, do you remember when such and such a person really hurt you? Do you remember what they did to you? And she said, no, not, not really. And the friend said, I can't believe that you don't remember what that person did to you and how it hurt you. And Clara Barton stopped for a minute and she said, no, I don't really remember it, but I distinctly remember giving it to God and disremembering it. Listen, <clears throat> if your marriage is hurting right now and there is difficulty within the confines of your home this is counsel you need to have if there's a breach in friendship this is counsel you need to have if you are hurt and carrying a heavy burden this is counsel <clears throat> that you need to have. If we keep a mental tally 
a running list of people and things done to us, there is a very high likelihood that we're going to be an angry person. Because scripturally, emotionally, physically, socially, logically, there is a direct correlation between a pot of boiling resentment in your heart and the way that you talk and act. I know that there are people here this morning who have been hurt very, very deeply. It might have been abuse. Physically, sexually, emotionally. Abuse that has deeply rooted itself in your heart. And you know that it's flowering in your life. And sometimes hurt can be so deep that we can't even form the words to identify the pain. Or we can't even bring ourselves to talk about the event. There is very, very deep pain that some carry. But I also know the price of carrying that pain. And that price will be that that boiling resentment will taint not just your life, but your relationships as well. It will taint your home. It will taint your marriage. It will regurgitate itself on your children. There's a reason God said that His love doesn't hold on to the things done to it. Because those things will destroy that one. When I was pastoring at First Baptist in Pampa, there was a man there, he was a school teacher, he was a good guy. <clears throat> and his wife came to me one day and she said, um, uh, and he was, he was a difficult, I said he was a good guy, he was good guys, my relationship, but he was pretty controlling and so forth. So anyway, my point is that I talked to the lady two or three more times. And one of those times she told me, she said, every day my husband complains about being so sleepy, so tired he can't get through the day. She said it's happened over and over. And then one day <clears throat> I heard that he had a wreck. Ran his car off the road, ran into a tree, had to go to the hospital. And what they found out was that he had mistakenly been taking his sleeping pills in the morning. And, and so that drug impacted him all day long. It impacted his relationship with his students. It impacted his relationship with his co-workers in his home because he was so 
drugged and so tired he couldn't hardly get through the day. Anger does that to us. That's why we have to learn to begin to hold on to it, take control of it, and release it unto God. My daughter had a minor surgery this week, and I kept little Charlie, our little uh, grandson, for, uh, for her one day um, so, that, <clears throat> so that her husband, Seth, could go with her to, to the hospital. Well, while I was keeping Charlie, by the way, that's Charlie uh, on the left and Jake on the right, my other little grandson. But, but uh, my daughter got her kids this little toy. It's like a little bumper car type deal. And you'll notice that Charlie has one handle and Jake has the other handle. Well, to make this thing go, you have to do, use both hands. And Charlie's learned to do it. I mean, he was scooting around. But he also loves balls. This boy loves balls. And so he saw a ball, and I gave it to him, uh, still in that little Romobile deal there. And, and anyway, he was holding on this ball, and he pushed with his other hand, and he started going in circles. He just kept going in circles. And so I went over there and I said, Charlie, let me have the ball. He didn't want to. He just kept going where he'd always been because he wouldn't let go of the ball. And when we don't release the pain within, we will find ourselves just going round and round and round in this life and never making progress and always coming back to the pain that's in us until we can let God start healing that. As deep as it may be, He calls us to walk in a love where anger, pain, resentment, bitterness does not control us. And that's possible. But we have to surrender and walk in the fullness of the Spirit. Thank you for joining us for this Highland Sermon from Dr. Johnny Funderburg. If you live in the Clovis, New Mexico area, we'd love to have you join us one Sunday at 10 a.m. We are located at 2201 North Main Street in Clovis. For more information about our church, visit highlandclovis.com. And to let us know a little bit more about you, choose the Connect tab and click on our online visitor card. You can also submit your prayer requests under the Connect tab. Lastly, follow us on Facebook at hbc.clovis to keep up to date with our announcements, events, and online services.